Hey everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Saints of the Church on the GN Podcast. This is probably the week that I have been the most excited about. I've sat down with one of my personal heroes, Brother Jim Sanders. And I can promise you that you do not want to miss a single word that this man says. Thanks guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the GN Podcast. Um, I think that this episode that I, is the one that I'm most excited about. I'm here in the home of Brother Jim Sanders, who pastored here at Greenbrier Nazarene for 27 years. Uh, Brother Jim, why don't you say hello and inter- introduce yourself a little bit? Well, thank you. Uh, hello to everyone. I appreciate this opportunity. It, it's always exciting to look back over the years and and also to see what's happening in Greenbrier right now. So thank you for letting me have this opportunity. Well, well, thank you for, for allowing me to come into your home and do this. But um, So now when did you start at Greenbrier Nazarene? When did you start uh, pastoring? I, uh, I was, at the time, I had actually stepped away from the pulpit for a while, and I was working for a company uh, building churches. And um, the summer of 1984... I was asked to go up and fill in uh, the pulpit because they had just lost the pastor. And actually, they had been through uh, almost a split. It wasn't really a split. Some just decided to leave. Yeah. And uh, while I was filling in, and I filled in two or three Sundays, well, of course, Charles and Mary Ann took me home to dinner, and he popped the question, uh, would you like to come be our pastor? Well... <laughs> That has to be done through the district superintendent and so on. So I just kind of wrote it off. But at the same time, it it started something in me that had been going a long time. My first assignment was in Quitman. And uh, I drove back and forth. And I would go through Greenbrier every Sunday morning. And at that time, the Greenbrier Nazarene Church was just a rock building there on the present location. And I thought to myself as I made that drive on several occasions, boy, it'd be nice to pastor a big church like that, uh, which at that time probably running 40 people, you know. But I was running six and eight at Quitman, so yeah. it seemed like a big church. <laughs> but uh, and, and that came back. And, and so the Lord began, I think, stirring that in my heart. And through the process of, uh, of the call and the vote, uh, we came to be the pastor in 1984. Okay, and and you you were the pastor up until what year was it? 2000 and 2011. 2011 was when you retired. Okay, wow. So is that right at 27 years? 20, a little over 27 years. Wow. Uh, we, uh, if we had uh, stayed on till that that following uh, October, well, I'd been 28. So okay. That's awesome. Um, so you you you've been at this church, um, you know, longer. I think you're the longest tenured pastor in our in our history, um, probably by by far, um, senior pastor. So you've seen a lot um, a lot happen in our church during those twenty twenty seven years. What what's one of your favorite memories during that time? Oh wow, <laughs> to to narrow it down, I, I just have to go back. It, in eighty four, the the attendance was around 40 to 50 and um, our finances I was looking 
some time ago, the first year we raised a little less than $30,000. And so they couldn't afford a, a full-time salary for us. And so Sandra and I uh, drove some special ed school buses for about a year and things began to develop to where they could begin to take over more. And my, uh, I just, as I look back, I'm amazed at how good, how well they took care of us and financially in other areas. And they stepped up on faith so many times to help us. And, and I just have a special place for those early years and knowing the struggles that we had, the financial. Uh, and uh, we were on a, a one-acre lot which that was a challenge because mm -hmm. we didn't have any room to expand. Uh, so it, th those first few years were, were uh, just kind of trying to settle and, and develop a, a congregation of, uh, of committed people, and, mm -hmm. and boy, did they come through. <laughs> wow. So you've been, um, what was the first, uh, now when you came in 84, you mentioned the old rock church. Was that still the, the church building whenever you took over? No, um, they, had, okay. uh, they had torn it down and built a, uh, what is now the, the northern part of the building there, that old sanctuary, which was a new sanctuary when we came. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> they had a, a oh, about a 30-foot wing that went to the south that housed a couple of classrooms and okay. a and maybe a 20 by 30 fellowship hall. And so that was one of the first things that we, we began to do. And we built a, uh, in 87, I think it was, we built a, a fellowship hall that would uh, seat about 75 people and added some classrooms. And so that was the first step of faith that we had. And yeah. it really was a step of faith, but of course God honors that. That's right. Um, so when did, when did the, so you said with it, you came and we had one acre. Um, how did that? How did that develop into what we had now? Have now? That's one of the the best stories of the whole thing, I guess. We had tried for years to purchase the property that actually is all of our parking lot mm -hmm. now. Um, it was owned by a couple that lived out east of the church there, down Fifth Street, um, and his thing was you park there any all you want to use it any way you want to but we couldn't get him to sell it to us and we worked on that for a few years and uh, after his death why I thought well it's going to go to the heirs and we probably never have a chance but through God's guidance we began to search it out and I talked to his widow and she said well our son has that now he lives in Dallas why don't you call him so I called him and uh, asked him if he'd be interested in selling that. It basically, it was a little over three acres, mm -hmm. and I kind of described it to him, and he said, well, we probably could work something out. And I thought, well, what, uh, what do you think it's worth? He said, well, you probably know the, how much it's worth there. And I said, well, right now, and this was back in, in uh, the mid-'80s, well, the property was probably $2,500 an acre. Wow. And so I mentioned that, and he said, oh. Uh, and I think I put it this way. I think probably about $7,500. He said, oh, that's more than I thought. And I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I was thinking about uh, 1500 an acre. 
And I said, well, that's great, but I don't want to take advantage of you. And I said, what about if we get, give you the $4,500 and then give you a tax receipt for donation of the rest? Mm-hmm. He said, that'll work. We'll start it. Huh. There have never been a time when I kicked my shoes off and ran up and down the halls of that church praising God like that. Wow. Because it was literally a miracle that we were able to get that. Wow. That's an incredible story. Um, yeah, I just think about, you You just talk about our church stepping out on faith so many times, um, and not, not just financial areas, but so many others. Um, one of them, I think, was this sanctuary that we're in right now, um, for sure. Uh, go ahead, and, and you know way more about that than I do. Uh, t- tell us, t- tell me a little bit about um, about that sanctuary and the, and the process kind of getting into that building that we are in now. Well, it, was, it, it goes back to, um, in 96, we decided we needed to build more classrooms, and so mm-hmm. we ended up building the Family Life Center. And... Uh, that was a pretty big step of faith too. Um, God honored that. We continued to grow and so we had outgrown the sanctuary and we decided to go out and use the Family Life Center and we set that up. That was kind of a battle. There were some that didn't like that. And uh, how can you worship in a gym, you know? Yeah. And, and so we walk, worked through that and we got out there and uh, uh, it worked pretty good. And we began to, to grow even more. And uh, uh, through that, we were able to begin to plan on the sanctuary. And so uh, from the, the times that we worshiped there, and we did that every, every Sunday then from then on, um, we learned some things that, that helped us in planning the sanctuary. Uh, we have a larger foyer than a lot of places and the reason we had that is because we noticed we would set up petitions in the back of the family life center and then there was about a third of it that was just open for people to socialize and we noticed that we couldn't run them off (laughs) (laughs) and uh, and so that helped us to say okay we need a a large foyer area and and we had a a team of guys that and ladies that um, actually we we designed and built that on a week-by-week basis. We got the original metal building, and then each week we kind of drew and planned, and and we'd make alterations, and there were some things that we had to change. Golly. But it was a process that, uh, that had about uh, six or eight folks that met almost weekly that uh, designed and built that. Wow. And, of course, one of the great things that happened was that one of our men was uh, a member of uh, a Baptist, Southern Baptist organization called Nailbenders. Mm-hmm. And he had all gone all over the U.S. with them. He said building Baptist churches. It was time for them to come build Nazarene church. <laughs> so they came, and uh, it was really funny because they, they brought their campers and all and stayed on the parking lot there, and they put up signs Nailbender Southern Baptist Convention, <laughs> and and so we had folks think we were turning from Nazarene to Southern Baptist for a while. But uh, wow. as as they uh, when they came, they probably saved us thirty to forty thousand dollars because they donated their labor, 
and and many uh, of the uh, hardware, much of the hardware, nails and screws and stuff, they helped frame it up, build the platform, did so many things that wow. that really enabled us to keep the thing in budget. That's awesome. That that's really cool. Um, we've talked uh, we we've talked a lot about some of the awesome things that have happened, but um, what what if if you were to look back, what what is a time where when our church has kind of kind of struggled a little bit that that kind of stands out to you? I, I think that. The biggest, biggest struggle that I had was when we were trying to move from the sanctuary to the Family Life Center. Uh, there were some that were, were so dead set against it, mm-hmm. and uh, actually there were some undercurrent there that we had to keep fighting. And uh, it was it was a a stressful time, a hard time. Um, but. Uh, underneath it all there were those that were so supportive and encouraging and knew what was going on and they were always those that came alongside and lifted me encouraged me prayed for me um and and really as i look back it's hard to think of any of the hard places because they were all so special um i i think uh, just amazing how in those that time I grew uh, before I hadn't stayed over three and a half years at a church and as I stayed I began to see families develop and and became closer and closer and it became more of a more of a family to me than anything else. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest things that I went through in probably the last couple of years was the death of some very special people that that affected me so deeply. Uh, and those were the hardest things yeah. of seeing people hurt and, and going through the, the death with them. Um, I looked at it in the sense that that they saw me and they saw all my flaws and yeah. all my warts, and they still loved me. And so it was easy to yeah. love them in return. Yeah. And and when you begin to go through, and I know your dad does the same thing, when you begin to go through with people uh, issues uh, that occur throughout life, it draws you in, mm-hmm. and you you literally become part of the family. Yeah. Um, they they taught me how to love uh, because of their love for me. Wow. Wow. That is um that's one thing that I think um that you that you have and I and I don't want to embarrass you here, but I think that that's a, a legacy that you've left um, to our church is this family atmosphere. Um, the place to where people come here and they feel like they're at home. And um, I, I talked to Larry and Ronnie about that. It was last week. And it was something that, that, they, that they thought made our church um, extremely unique is that we really are a family. And not just um, for me and the staff, but for everybody that comes in. You know, the person that sits next to you um, might as well be your brother or sister or something like that. But that—that that is something that is so unique to our church um, and makes us so, so special. I'm going to interrupt the podcast just real quick. 
and take this part of the show to thank our sponsors, you guys. Thank you so much for turning out to our tailgate retreat this past Sunday. It was a huge success, and we are so very thankful for the amount of time, the effort, and the large amounts of candy that you gave to make it happen. Also, once again, let me thank the GN Kids Department. In the next few months, our Family Life Center is going to be looking totally different as we complete a total remodel of that building. So don't miss out on the opportunity to partner with us to make this happen. You can give to the new GN Kids Center on our app, the website, or on Sunday mornings. We can't wait to see what God is going to do as we make this dream a reality. Now back to the podcast. We had um, a couple of evangelists that we really liked. As a matter of fact, uh, we had Nathan Covington mm-hmm. and Marcus Whitworth did the singing, and Nathan was the Nathan is about four foot two, and he buys all his clothes in the boys' department. Just a little bitty guy, but a powerful preacher of the word. And we had them uh, on several occasions, and we always had good meetings. One of the one of the first ones that really uh, got us excited, we had a, a man in the town that was known as uh, a bookie, and uh, he, he knew all the horse racing uh, details that you needed, and, and he was an alcoholic. And uh, one of our men got to talking to him and inviting him to church. And uh, he, he had lost some of his... Uh, saliva glands because of alcoholism and other things and so he constantly had to have some a glass of water he said well I'd have to have that well you can bring that and so he started coming and he came during the revival and on that one Sunday morning uh, he went to the went to the altar and his life was totally changed and transformed and it affected people throughout town because they began to see the change it had made in him. One, one of the first things uh, I remember, he put a bumper sticker on his car, said, don't let the hearse take you to church. And uh, <laughs> he was so proud of that. He was glad to be a part of the church. And he, he became a great testimony. Um, there were others that had been converted in that. Uh, but, but I think that one was was one of the most exciting times uh, and it was probably in the late 80s when that was that took place wow that's that's that, that's awesome um what let me ask you this uh and this is going a little bit direct but a different direction um but when it comes down to the theology of our church and kind of the doctrine um the nazarenes have this very special uh, holiness theology. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that that those beliefs have have um, impacted not only our church but how we also go and impact the community? Um, just how how do you think that that makes us unique in the in the community that we're in, and how has our church used that? Of course, the the uniqueness of it is is not as unique, I think, as we think sometimes, mm-hmm. because there are other other um, denominations that will preach sanctification. Right. Uh, we perhaps do it a, a little little differently. We do it in the Wesleyan theology vein. Um, I, I I never will forget going to my folks were were Southern Baptist and they were in a large church in Dallas, Texas, and I went down there and. 
on vacation and the pastor he said hey he said i've been doing a series on sanctifications you nazarenes invented that won't you preach (laughs) (laughs) where he was just kidding of course Mm -hmm. but but i i think because we believe in a in a distinctive holiness lifestyle it stands out to people Mm -hmm. um there's so many uh, different doctrines today that just let you be anything and do anything and still claim to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. Uh, but I, through the years, I have seen and, and continue to see the, the uniqueness of our doctrine in the sense that it is an attractive thing. People, you know, they, they try to deny that there is such an experience a lot of times, but they cannot deny the lives of people that are saturated in a relationship through the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow, that, that's, a, that's more than I could have ever asked from an answer right there. That was, um, let, let me ask you one more uh, just to, in just a few, just a few more questions. Um, we've talked about the family aspect of, of our church and how that, that kind of makes us um, unique, but, but what else is it about Greenbar Nazarene that you saw during your time there that makes us different? I, I, let me back up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the family atmosphere, it, you know, we, we make jokes from time to time. Yeah. We'll accept anybody. Yeah. And, uh, we really, through the years, we had some characters come mm-hmm. and go, and uh, uh, I, I, I know that some of those that were around at that time know exactly what I'm talking about because there's some, there were some interesting services with people that would stand up and say things that, uh, as a matter of fact, your dad was preaching one day, and a fellow had just gotten out of prison, and he had been converted in prison, and... Uh, he stood up just before your dad got up to preach and he made a statement that was a little bit off color <laughs> and your dad was looking at me and I was just hanging my head. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to help him out of that. <laughs> but uh, there, has, there is that acceptance, I think, that uh, I saw. It didn't matter what you look like or where mm-hmm. you come from. Um, I, I think of Richard Snugs. Yep. Richard came as a hippie. <laughs> he had his earring and ponytail, and everybody loved him and loved him into the church. Yep. Um, I, I think that this, that's a, something that you can't teach. It's something that you catch. Mm-hmm. A, and for some reason, uh, the congregation caught that. And, and it, um, it, I heard it from people throughout the community that didn't come to our church. They they would talk to others and they say, boy, they sure like your church. They say you're the, you're the most accepting and friendly church. And, and, and we accepted people as we should where they were, mm-hmm. but we wanted to take them into a relationship right. with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we had people that were very quick to be a discipler. Uh, sometimes we didn't even know what it meant to be a discipler, yeah. but they just did it anyway because they loved them and they knew that Christ loved them. Wow. If you were to um, if you were to go back to our church today and mm-hmm. give um, just the church or, or somebody in the church one piece of advice, what, what would it be? 
Wow. Uh, Honestly, as I look at the way things are going, I just say keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I I couldn't be more thrilled and Mm -hmm. excited than to to know what Steve Thrasher as a pastor is doing. I I love him and and I'm so thankful for him. And uh, just follow him. You know, I heard someone say one time they were so devoted to their pastor that they would follow him into an assault on hell with a water pistol. I, I think if if folks will follow the leadership of a godly pastor like that, there is nothing that can hinder the growth of the Church of Jesus Christ. Wow. If you were to look back... Um on all the time that you spent and you said that your longest tenure up until um, Greenbrier was three and a half years mm-hmm. and we talked about this a little bit but what what was it about this church that made you stay here for almost 30 years? A couple of things. One is um, as I said when I came I had been out of the church for I hadn't been out of the pastorate for almost two years and uh, I really was not in God's will and at that point I was almost afraid that I, I couldn't get back in I mean that that's the way I was feeling and and so when that open he opened that door I was so thrilled that I could serve and and it, it several things helped Conway's our home, mm-hmm. and we had our home here, and we just drove back and forth. Uh, so we felt at home. We had our family here, and that helped. And then um, some of the people, uh, Charles and Marianne, we had known through the years, and uh, it, it just—it was just one of those things where you just knew that's where God wanted you. Uh, in my ninth year, I struggled with a call over in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And and that was one of the hardest things. And I, I went over and I met with that church and, and it was a, a pretty good pull. But uh, I prayed and found the peace of God. And, and at that point, I knew I didn't need to consider anything else. It just became a, a, a concrete thing to know that I was where God wanted me to be. Wow. Wow, um, I'm I'm out of questions on my sheet, but I want to I want to keep going a little bit because you know um, you know more than anybody else probably um, the stories about the history and, and I got in we talked about it before we started recording, but I'd love to get it get it on tape um, just about some of the some of the pastors who who was the pastor at the church before right before you got got there. <laughs> now I'm going blank. <laughs> um. I know Brother uh, Brother Williams built the church, the 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 sanctuary there when mm-hmm. they tore down the old old rock church. Um, Brian Jones was just he was there was one pastor between uh, Brian and I. Right. Uh, Brian and I go way back. I was in high school with Brian up in Harrison, Arkansas, and uh, uh, he followed me in Hiawassee. Arkansas and pastored up there so we've kind of been in and out of each other's life through the yeah. years uh, so 
um, and I can't think of the name of the pastor that was before me. It I was a, it was a it's really a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had made some some um, accusations that were not true, and and it it caused a a pretty good riffle in the church, and that's the reason some had left. Uh, then uh, uh, Brother Jack Ward, who uh, was in local politics, he was a county clerk or something here, uh, he uh, was pastor out there on two occasions. Um, and he was a member of my church when I pastored at Conway College Avenue. And so I got to know him. So O.P. Jack Ward, he was a, he was a jewel of a man. Um, and, and back before that, you know, I'd have to go back into the records and, yeah. and recognize them. I do know that uh, that it's, it, it started as an independent holiness church from a tent revival. And in 1908, when the Church of the Nazarene was formed, several independent holiness churches decided to join this new mm-hmm. new gathering. And so uh, I, I think it was in 08 that uh, they became a Nazarene church. Wow. And so we, I guess it would be this year, um, 2017, that we, we began in 1904. And so I guess we'd be celebrating 113 years, right. which is crazy. Um, to, to think that we we predate the actual denomination mm-hmm. by, by four years is, mm-hmm. is, is incredible. And, th- and, and they say that older churches like that are on the decline. Mm-hmm. And what's exciting to me is here's an old church that's on the rise. That's pretty cool. Um, for sure, yeah. I, 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 we just have such a such a rich history. Um, I was talking to Marion and Pat about a time in our church, um, and I, I think this was closer to the 70s, so about 10 years before you were in there, um, to where there were no there were no men in the church, hardly at all, and um, and that they were it was mostly women, and yeah. and the the few men that were there were on the church board, um, but but. It just lacked in this male, like with men in leadership and 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 stuff like that. And you go ahead, you you look like you have something to say. Yeah, well, that was that was one of the things that we faced when I first yeah. came. The uh, some of the men that were there had had left, and and so I challenged those last ladies, and and we had like I think two men on the board, and I said let's pray, and let's just pray and get these men under conviction that mm-hmm. we'll get them into the church. And and it began at, from that prayer time. We began to see men start coming into the church. Wow. It wasn't just overnight, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we we began to see men step up and take leadership responsibilities. Wow. Uh, I, I've got to say this. Yeah. I, I I think one of the one of the things that really was the impetus for our beginning to grow took place in my office. Once uh, afternoon, Mary Freeman came mm-hmm. by, and as she said, talked to the padre. She was wanting to uh, to give her give up her Sunday school class. She was teaching a class of newlyweds, and there were two or three couples in there. And uh, I, the wisest thing I ever did was to talk her into not giving it up. Uh, I challenged her just to just to hold on. One thing I didn't know who I'd get to do that, 
and uh, she p- got it on her heart, and she began to mother those couples, mm-hmm. uh, not just Sunday morning, throughout the week. And that class began to grow, and out of that class, we've got board members and teachers, men that began to, to move in and take the leadership roles. And, and, and I really think that God used her as a springboard that got us started in to, to growing the way that we did. Wow. Um, I think Larry um, was in was was in that one that class, um, or at least he was maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little bit after. But he said that one of the one of the strongest memories that he has of our church was when in, in that Sunday school class when Marianne told them, um, and he quoted it for me, and and I've, I've got it recorded thankfully. But he said Marianne said that no matter what, you stick by your church. And he said that that far and wide was the biggest influence on him. He said it doesn't doesn't matter what's going on, the good good things that are going on. If you don't agree with something, you you stick by your mm-hmm. church. Um, yeah, and I, I'll kind of let you. What, what, could you talk a little bit about that for me? About the importance of, of kind of sticking with with uh, the church that you you've been called to, or that a church that you're in. Yeah, uh, you know, I never had any thought. I wasn't raised a in the Nazarene Church. Um, I, I, like I said, I went to school with Brian Jones. His dad mm-hmm. was a pastor at the Nazarene Church in, in Harrison. I didn't even know what that was. And uh, I moved to Conway and, and met my wife and went to church with her and started in, in getting involved in the church. And, and I've never had any thought that there's anything any other place. You know, it, it just... I love love the doctrine. I love mm-hmm. the people. I like the setup of the government and everything that we do. Yeah. It, it all t- seems to me to be very biblically uh, based. And, and so, you know, I, I never understood anyone that wants to hop around. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, we we had folks that stood through some hard times and and stayed there. So, what Mary told that cu- those couples was evidently true i mean that that stuck with them yeah it's um it's incredible to me to see the uh just to hear the impact that marianne has had um Mm -hmm. and is still having um absolutely um well thank you so much for for just letting me um letting me interview i've had uh, a great time I, i think i've learned so much and i'm excited for for people that are listening to this to learn um i think it's gonna be a great hit but thank you very much Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and and I hope I haven't rambled around too much. No, absolutely not. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Saints of the Church. We're going to be right back here next Tuesday as I sit down with Larry Johnson's mother, Martha Hurd. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on next week's podcast. She has some great stories that she shared with me as we took a driving tour around Greenbrier. So don't miss it. Have a great week, and I'll see you here next Tuesday.